Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Post 20 Podcast. You are now listening to episode 222. My name is Matt, as always, joined by my co-host, Evan. How are we doing this week? Pretty good, man. Um, it's another week of work. Chilling. It was a double week for, for footy, so I, I've honestly been waiting since the football ended on Thursday to uh, get to Saturday. Saturday tomorrow's a big day for me. Yeah, today was like a, a lull period, just nothing it really sucked. going on. Yeah, it's kind of um, dead. Better on like Iranian third tier. There's nothing to watch. I had a co-worker this morning. He's like, hey, you're a big soccer guy, right? I was like, yeah. He's like, what do you think about this? And he pulls up Israeli league soccer. I was like, I don't Oh, man, it's you can cook out in that shit. I said, I said, I don't go that hard. Also, I'm surprised that league is still going right now. <laughs> yeah, you just don't ever bet against Maccabee Haifa. Yeah, that's what I've learned. That's that's probably the only team I know from Israel because they're the only team that makes the Champions League. Yep. <laughs> okay, but yeah, so that's how my day went. Boring, not too much listened to podcast wise, but yeah, tomorrow should be interesting. Uh, a lot of teams are gonna have to rotate teams as well. We saw midweek games this week. Speaking of which, all of us did the same. We all went four and six on our records. Yeah. Took a hit. Evan eighty three and sixty seven, Zach eighty four sixty six, myself ninety and sixty. Uh, we got what we got. We got three three more weeks, three more game weeks before the the new year. So we'll be yep. right at the midway point. We can make some some half ha, half season predictions or talk mm-hmm. about the, how the year went, whatever. But yeah, so far we saw some big upsets this week. We see some big dogs struggling. We see some teams finding form, and we see um, big storylines being created. One of which, reality check, Wolves won, Burnley nil. You talked about this mm-hmm. in your episode, and, and the one before when we were both on last, talking that Burnley's clicking. Shut out here against a Wolves team that gets a lone goal from that man, Huang Hee Chan, who bagged his eighth goal this season. He's flying. Uh, as From his partner in crime, Mateus Cunha, on the assist. This was a first half goal in the 42nd. Burnley, 12 shots to Wolves, 7. 50-50 split practically, a little bit in Wolves' favor there. Uh, Pretty dead even in all critical stats here. But it was Wolves at the end of the day who got the win. Sarabia was a change that Wolves made. Everybody else was the same as their prior game, besides Bentley, who was covering for the injured Sa. Got a clean sheet for him, but Sarabia playing at that 10 role did really well for them. Whereas for Burnley, it was just a lack of I guess fitness, because this Burnley team, they're probably one of the least rotated teams when it comes to their starting 11. We saw Ekdal at center back. That's a new guy I haven't seen in the 11 much. Vitinho uh, had a bit of lack of fitness, but finished out the game early on. We did see an injury to Kuliosho early on in the 30th, which has been revealed to be a long-term injury. Um, So he'll be out until after the Christmas break, Mm mid-January. So... They took their hits, they pick up a loss, they currently sit 19th position, three points from clear. Um, I guess starting on the Burnley side of things, is this what you thought was going to happen? Were you surprised that they didn't put more of a fight up? I mean, I thought they'd, I I did think that they would be a little bit better offensively than they were. Uh, They were extremely poor, but this kind of thing can happen where you just explode. And they also played Sheffield, which you mentioned last week. That's true. Um, when you explode for you know six, seven goals, uh, and just absolutely batter another team without 
conceding essentially or even conceding possession the next week sometimes you're a bit hung over and they did have a short-ish rest here so it's not like super surprising that they came out flat i thought that they would hang in a little bit better um they do look better defensively like they're not conceding as much as they were which is kind of nice um but like if, if you can't get those guys running downhill up front early like they did last week then it's a serious uphill battle. And you're going up against the five back essentially at this point with uh, Stamato and, and Bueno dropping in to play wing back. It's not like a super surprising result, but I, I really, I did think Burnley would maybe carry a little bit of that momentum from last week. And they, they did the exact opposite. They stopped in their tracks. Yeah. One bit of positive news that we saw come out of this is uh, reports this week uh, during the uh, Vincent company in his interviews or press conferences, was asked about Lyle Foster and how's he doing, and they said he's improving his health, he's making good progress, and every detail counts. So they're saying they're hopeful to see him by the start of the new year, hopefully. So that's a good note for them because Jay Rodriguez has been that guy starting up top as the more experienced veteran. Well, as Amduni is the new young guy who's looks very creative on the ball, but not having Cole Osho now moving forward is going to be a massive hit for them and their creativity. Mm-hmm. They're probably going to have Goodmanson and Larson or maybe Nathaniel Redman to to have to hold it down in the wings. But, yeah, this Wolves side, we forget the start of the year. Ruben Neves gone. Massive hole in the middle there. Moutinho left. So they look strong there with Jao Gomez and Lamina. And overall, they're sitting 13th on 18 points. They're only one point behind the top half where Chelsea and Brentford are tied there. So it's looking pretty solid for O'Neal. We're never going to see Wolves rip off three, four straight wins, but... At this rate, they're going to reach 40 points, and they're going to be safe for another year, really. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, oh, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> the other game, I'll let you start it. The other Tuesday game, Arsenal got the win, but the scoreline, 4-3, to three, 97th minute winner for Rice. Take it away, Evan. I mean, this is the absolute mark of champions, uh, being able to sweat a game out uh, against fucking Luton Town, who can only score on set pieces. Uh, sweating it out until the 97th minute when your 100 million pound signing, uh, you know, scores the goal and saves you three points after the rest of the fucking table besides Villa drop points. This was a disaster, a terrible performance from Arsenal. <clears throat> this is some of the worst football I've seen them play this season. The only reason they managed four goals is because they're going up against Luton. I was, I was at an appointment. Uh, I was at a, a dentist appointment and I was watching and I was getting yelled at because I kept tilting my head. But <laughs> I I had to watch this because I was I was at the gym, I was watching it, got in my car, another goal got scored, had to drive all the way over there, listen to it while I'm while I'm driving, and then I gotta finish the game out in the fucking seat. Thankfully, as I'm walking out the door, Rice scores, I yell, scream on the on the fucking busy street. People are looking at me with their kids. Um this was nuts. Just an insane midweek game. I have no idea outside of Raya. Like, I, I just, I don't know. I, I aged 10 years watching this. Um, the forwards looked good. They scored they when they had to, and they had to often. Um, and Declan Rice looks to be worth every single penny. I was way wrong uh, at the be- beginning of the season. I didn't think he'd really help us all that much but i was just so wrong on that he has been instrumental uh ensuring up the midfield and he gets forward 
when you need him to, but he seems to be back when he needs to be. Uh, it's just he's extremely good, and I think probably worth more than what we paid for him so far. Um, the defending, I actually don't think we can win the league if Raya stays in the goal. I think Ramsdale's better at this point. I, I know we talks about it a lot um, earlier on in the year, and I said, yeah, I think it's a good thing that they're competing. I do, but I think <laughs> they should have let Raya compete for Ramsdale's spot instead of letting Raya just walk right in because he has been really poor. Um, and he's got probably, if not the best defense one of the best defenses in the league right in front of him, and he's not stopping shots. So I'm concerned. The marking on set pieces was really bad. You get three points, and people are saying, you know, this is what winning winning Premier League teams do is win when they need to. This is not... I don't think you can use this as a fucking example. That was horrific. If that's how we play against the better team, we're going to lose a shit ton of games down the stretch. So that kind of stuff needs to be cleaned up. I was, I'm happy we got three points, but I'm not at all happy with the result or the performance rather. Oh yeah. Um, I was going to start by talking about their goals and not to take any credit away from Luton. They put up a, they put up a hell of a, a fight, just like they did against Liverpool here. We're going to see if they can do the same thing this weekend against Man City at home. Um, who are desperate for a win. But the first goal, set piece, Raya is only about six feet tall and yeah. got bodied there. Second goal, mirror image, set piece. Third goal, Ross Barkley looked like prime Everton form. Shot it right near his foot. He went for the dive with the arm instead of just sticking his foot out. Um, how much did he get bailed out by that Rice goal? He he would have gotten absolutely fucking cooked in the media. He still got a little bit of flack, but he still should, he, yeah. he would have gotten reamed. And I almost wish that that would have happened because he was shocking. Arteta is going to stick with him, but if this guy doesn't fucking shape up, like Arsenal are doomed. He's horrendous. He's been awful for us. Uh, that's what that's three game three goals there one against Wolves clean sheet against Brentford one against Burnley yeah but he's got the best fucking center like he, he yeah, literally they're... has the best defense in front of him yeah joint title Liverpool you guys got the best defense only 14 against what do you think it's going to take for him to swap to ramp back to Ramsdale I feel like he's we're going to have to lose and it's going to have to be Ryan's fault like he's going to have to pull an Onana and like knock one into his own net like it's going to have to be something really stupid I was listening to some podcasts today, and with the Nick Pope news and being out until April, potentially the rest of the season, there were talks of maybe David De Gea going to Newcastle, but also they brought up the point, does Aaron Ramsdale move to to Newcastle? I sure hope not. Um, uh, I think sticking with Raya. Former manager, like, Eddie Howe, with, when he was at uh, Bournemouth, they have that link. I, I genuinely think, like, I mean, it makes sense for Newcastle, and honestly, it makes sense for Ramsdale as well. I know his family's in London. He just had a kid. I don't know if the move up north would, you know, for his professional career, he needs him. to be playing to make that Euro Euro squad. I understand that, but his kid is like two weeks old. I don't know if he'll move. I, I genuinely don't know if he'll move in the winter. He could absolutely move in the summer, but like we need to keep him 
so that he can get on the pitch for Arsenal. And then Arteta realizes, oh, okay, maybe this was a mistake. You ha- At this point in the season, where Arsenal are, and the fact that City is dropping points, and Liverpool are like, you know, they're they're playing really well, obviously, but they're, right they're not as threatening. You. They're not as threatening this year, I don't think. Like you can see, you can still see some holes. There were seasons where Liverpool were like, you know, I, I'd be horrified to go up against them. I think Arsenal can get a result against them, you know, even if you split results. City are far enough behind at this point, and they're playing poorly enough to think like, all right, this this might be a two horse race. Like it it could just be Arsenal and Liverpool. I I think. If Arsenal wind up finishing second, this the Raya thing is going to go down as like the most catastrophic decision that Mikel could have made. And maybe that's an overreaction, but he, uh, I've given him a while. He doesn't hasn't seemed any better to me. Uh, number one, I, I can't believe you just said had the idea of counting Man City out of this title race. I, I am going to count them out. No. Yeah, I am. You guys had an eight-point lead last year, and you bottled it. They're like they're they're only six back. They're they're down a bunch of men this past. We'll yeah, get but to Liverpool late. Liverpool fucking sucked last year too at the beginning of the season. I I, I think City are. Uh, we'll we'll talk about it when we get to them. I would argue this Liverpool team, only two behind you, and struggling to put teams away, is a scarier team than if they were firing. Because if Darwin puts half his chances away, they're burying teams by three. I know. And that's not going to happen ever. I don't think. I just don't think he has that in him. I don't know. I I fear I fear Liverpool way more than I fear City right now. Yeah, right. As of right now, I agree. Some, yeah. Something is going on there. Like I don't think it's the pitch. I don't think it's on the pitch stuff either. I th- I think we'll talk about it when we get there. But this was a terrible game. I'm glad we got three points. Horrible though. Yeah. Uh, last thing before we move on. You mentioned in the summertime you weren't too fired up for the rice signing you thought he was a bit has your opinion changed on him now yeah of course i mean he's (laughs) he's actually been he's probably been our best player this season uh stats aren't going to tell you that but like the way he solidifies the midfield is like it's so tough to get through him and then get through saliba it is so challenging to play down the middle that's why you see like arsenal concede on crosses and stupid shit like that um it's kind of the only way like you have to it's not the only way but we do con- we concede Primarily. on a lot of those like weird yeah like bouncy uh, failure to claim the ball type goals you know what i mean yeah um okay speaking of which moving on to another title contender we just talked about him liverpool got the win over sheffield only two nil though one goal in each half the 37th minute virgil van dyke on a corner from a taa assist and then in the 94th minute, uh, Dom Zabazai puts the game away. Um, standard result here. Nice little win. Sheffield continue to be bottom of the basement. Now five points from safety. Liverpool only two behind Arsenal. If Arsenal would have dropped points there and drawn against Luton, Liverpool right now would be first on goal differential. Um, what was your general overview of the game here? Um, I mean, honestly, not... Not great. Definitely not Liverpool's finest day. They lost McAllister, which is like huge. That's a that's a real problem. Um, we're gonna have to see more of you know probably Gravenberch now. Um, yeah. I thought that was huge. Like more than anything, that's what really matters. Uh, Salah really struggled to make an effect whatsoever. The forwards in general didn't have a great game. You know they they nicked a corner with Van Dyke. Yo, I'm recording. Get the hell out of here. Oh. 
uh, it took them really, really quite some time after that goal to uh, steal the deal with Soboslai, which was, you know, a really well-worked goal there at the end as well. But um, no Darwin in this one. He yeah, I'll on take a like sandwich. They, they're they're kind of rotating things. Um, this was a super off day. They still won 2-0. I know it's against Sheffield and they're shit, but um, when you're tired, when your guys aren't, you know, firing on all cylinders and you still win... Um, that's important in, you know, staying up there towards the top of the table and contending uh, for the title. Yeah, yeah, it looked good again, I thought. Um, whole team, really, besides the forwards, looked very solid. Uh, this is like, on the Sheffield side, you can probably take a little bit from this and say, well, we only lost 2-0 to Liverpool, right? Yeah, and we forgot to, well, I don't think it happened as we recorded earlier this week, but first sacking happened. Um, oh yeah, Heckenbottom. Paul, Paul Heckenbottom got the sack. They bring back Chris Wilder, the previous manager who saw them get relegated previously. Um, so that was the first sacking. We said that Burnley Sheffield game. I said was listed as El Sacco, Sakiko, whatever you want to call it. So Paul Heckenbottom out, Chris Wilder in. I don't know what change that's going to make, but hopefully it adds some sort of energy into the locker room. But um, Ali Norwood picked up his fifth yellow in this game, so he'll be out for their next match as well as McBurney has a two game suspension for that red earlier this week against uh, Burnley. So he'll miss the next game. So it's not looking good for them, but for Liverpool as well, injury woes, Joel Matip was confirmed to rupture his ACL. So he'll, he's out for the remainder of the season. And then um, McAllister we talked about is out for, I believe the next game or two. So we're going to, we're going to see the depth of this team, what they're made of. And yeah, I mean, if TAA continues this offensive powerhouse type of movement going forward, uh, I don't think they have really anything to worry about. And, I mean, Mo Salah, you could argue, is kind of underachieving this year. He's kind of flying under the radar. Yeah. I mean, he's still been very good, but I totally agree. There's another player that I think is underachieving who we'll get to again. This is a, a bit of an agenda podcast for me. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I, I agree. I don't think I don't think Salah's been at his best. Um Quite a few penalties, I believe. He's providing for sure, assist-wise. Like that hasn't really dropped off, but the goal scoring. Um, we're used to you know regular two-goal games for Mo Salah, and I don't want to say he's taking a back seat. I just think he's doing his best not to step on toes and kind of ensure that everybody up front is you know playing together and playing well in that unit. That's a big theme in Klopp's uh, sides is is teamwork and you know making sure that essentially the system which is, has been so successful for them with the pressing and everything uh, is, is functioning. So I, you know, I, I don't, I really don't have any concerns over Liverpool coming down the stretch. I think this is probably the best side they've had since they won. I don't think most is worried about stepping on toes. He's being paid to be, well, it's not that dog. not stepping toes, but stepping on toes. That was a, a I misspoke, but Making sure that the system works, right? And it's not just like solely going through him. He's, he passes more than he used to, for sure now. He's not more of a facilitator, but... I think the system is built for him and to get played through him. He's got multiple 25-plus goal seasons. I mean, he's the guy. He's at his peak, so I would hope. I mean, that's what you look for with City. They go through KDB, trying to get the ball to Holland. You see it with... Tottenham, Madison, the Sun. Like, mm-hmm. if you want to be successful, you need like a dynamic duo up there that are go-to playmakers. So, I mean, TAA is covering up the gap there on the right for him. So, 
I'm sure we're going to get a stretch here sooner or later where he gets goal after goal for like four or five games in a row. I hope so. Uh, one more thing before we move on. Not about this game, but I didn't like how the games were staggered the start times. It was tough because I, yeah, I wanted to watch as many games as possible. And when we got to the goal rush on Wednesday... I was able to be, I was off work, so I was able to watch all the games. And the goal rush for the early games wasn't even on there. It was still pre matched for United Chelsea. So yeah. I was like, I was kind of just doing things on the fly. So I didn't enjoy that. I'm happy we're getting to this weekend's games where things will be more standard. But going forward, I'm sure we're going to get another midweek similar to this. So, yeah. Uh, moving on, this game I didn't really seem too much about, but continues to go against my agenda and they're one of the most informed teams now Bournemouth 2-0 yeah. win on the road to Palace goals coming from Marco Senesi in the 25th and then Kiefer Moore in a garbage time goal uh, from Phil Billing um, there mm -hmm. so both subs off the bench for them um, starting off let's let's start with Palace here really sad times for them going forward yep. Um, now, currently, they're the second worst uh, scoring team, only behind Sheffield. Mm, just can't, the supply is not there for the attackers. They can't that midfield. I think it ultimately comes down to the midfield stopping the play. They lost that with Czech Ducore. He's out for the year. They've been trying to patch it up with Chris Richards, the American next to Lerma, not really yep. getting the job done. Not expi not inspiring, and the attacking mid they had slump here. And they don't. This, the creativity in the in the center of the field isn't there for them to get out of tight spots. Um, Jordan, I use a hustler. He'll work hard coming back and forward, but he's not a guy. Your number. He, you don't want him to be your number one, number two guy. He's best as like a in the background grinder. Um, Alisse is still trying to get back his fitness. So he's, he's been looking good as well. Yeah, he's just. It seems like he needs somebody else to start pulling yeah, no, strings, yeah. and Edward is just waiting for the ball to come to him. He's got half their goals this year, but he's not one to create things on his own. So, um, and against a Bournemouth team, who you, you, there are pockets of space for them to expose. I mean, Adam Smith was balling out there at right back, and he he was getting exposed last year. And for them not to really get a chance to go at him was kind of telling for this Palace team. Yeah, I mean it. We say this every week, right? Every week that Eze is out, I'm going to say it. They lack the other creative person in the in the you know forward midfield. Jeffrey Schlupp is all right. He's a serviceable Premier League player, but he can't really do what Eze can do. And if you put Elise and Eze both at attacking mid and just let them cook, one of them is going to find either the other or the streaking forward after they've created a shit ton of space. And they lack that. But on top of that, I don't, I don't know if Roy Hodgson is the guy to see them through. This is kind of an insane take because he's literally been, I feel like he's been the manager of Crystal Palace four times in my lifetime alone. He's obviously an extremely experienced manager. They got a huge bounce when he came in, but like, I, I don't know. Surely there's somebody else out there that can assist them in, in you know, learning a different way to play because if they play this way, like they're going to be on the edge. They're not going to get relegated. I don't think. I'm not worried about that. But Seven like, clear the drop right now. That's not a lot. It's not a lot of points. I don't know if his seat's getting hot or if his seat can't get hot anymore because he's so old. But um, there are other ways to play than this. This is not going to work. If you're losing two, Bournemouth have been better. But if you're going to lose two nil to Bournemouth in a game that is very winnable, even if you're missing as a 
if there there's problems here. Yeah, I think ultimately it just there's nothing you can really do about injuries. Mitchell also picked up an injury here. He'll be uh, out for the he'll be yeah. out for the next week or so. It's not a major one. And the timeline for Eze's return is unclear. They're saying he'll be back before the Christmas, but I don't mm. think he's had been doing team training and if anything he's nope. been doing just gym work and individual training. So it's not looking good for them, I agree. They're they're falling down in the in the wrong way here. Bournemouth joint points with them now. They're tied with 16, Bournemouth only behind on goal differential, but Eriol has been pulling them back. Palace five losses in their last seven, whereas uh, Bournemouth in their last, what was that, in their last seven, they've won four. So, they've won four, yeah. Yeah, I told Zach, I was like, um, well, now at this point, they've earned 13 of their 16 points in their last six games, which is crazy. crazy. They're just, they're just, they're the hottest team in the league almost. Very impressive, yeah. Um... So yeah, Bournemouth, and then they're they're going to be tested now. They played a bunch of, they played bottom half teams here, and they've been getting the points. the The one game recently that didn't win was a draw against Villa. So they're putting it up, and now they're going to have to travel to Old Trafford, which is a, it is a team you'd want to play right now due to their inconsistency. But yeah, I'm going to be interested. I'm going to be interested to see if they can pull anything out of their ass for that one. Yeah, well, we uh, saw what they looked like against Villa last week. There's a chance. Yeah. Um, Brighton 2, Brentford 1. Mm-hmm. Another unfortunate injury here for Brentford. Brian Embuemo picked up an injury. Um, it's going to be a a medium-term, long-term one, if you want to describe it. He's going to be out until after the winter break. Uh, they're saying uh, around January 20th. So himself and Ivan Tony will be coming back simultaneously. Um, so it's a massive loss for them going forward. They're going to have to rely on your boy Vise and Neil Mopé, um, as well as newcomer Keen Lewis Potter and uh, Saman Godis. So it's not looking good for Brentford going forward. They didn't look the best here either. Brent, Brian Abuemo scored on a penalty in the 27th. Pascal Gross got the equalizer in the 31st and then assisted on the winner to the youngster Jack Henselwood in the 52nd. So... Um, a really crippled Brighton team overall in this squad. They were really tested here and still pulled out the win. Still haven't recorded a clean sheet this season, um, but are getting points where it matters. Two wins in the last three, beat a Brentford team who are pretty hard to beat. Um, what do you think overall here? I mean, I think it's like, <laughs> it's so impressive that every time I look at a Brighton score, I have no idea what I'm going to see. I you know I, I can know they'll concede. You know that they're gonna score, but like or that they're gonna concede. But you never know when you look who scored for Brighton what fucking name you're gonna see. It could be one of a million different players. Jack Hinshelwood is 18 years old. I have never even heard his name whispered about ever. And you know that's who gets your winning goal in this one. Brighton somehow or another, they, they have not looked great. They just lost to Chelsea in a ugly game. Um, they're still somehow in eighth, and they're kind of injured. And you know they they're, they lost Solly March, which is huge. They're not even really playing Evan Ferguson as much as they probably should. Like it's it's very weird every week. You have no idea who you're gonna see. Jao Pedro was like getting one or two minutes a game. Now he's getting you know sixty, seventy minutes, and he's scoring. It's such a weird experiment, but they they still manage to get points somehow. It's, it surprises me. It's it's really 
fascinating. They still play good football. It's just you truly never know what you're going to get. Yeah, it's a, it seems like it's a good team mentality. Everybody's bought mm-hmm. in, whether it's the starters or the guys that are 18, 19th on the depth chart. They're they're all sticking to the plan and, and are playing well together. So um, Brentford side of things, heavy injuries. I didn't like them in this game. Originally, I did pick Brighton to win, and then I went back against myself and picked a draw. Uh, but that, o- that opening feeling was just that their midfield has been injury riddled with um, – Norgard was suspended here with the yellow card accumulation, and Jensen yeah. was is out with injury here. So, I mean, it wasn't looking too promising creatively. They're not looking good. Similarly to um, one of the teams earlier we were talking about, Palace, just that, that midfield, it's not... I see those people, and I'm like, yeah, they'll probably put in a good shift, but if you need them to create two to three key opportunities to score, I don't know if they're able to do it, but... Yeah, the back line was sturdy. A lot of clearances from Pinnock and me. You know, that's what you can expect out of them. But on the wings, the wing play just wasn't there for them. And and Abuemo going down is really going to hurt them. And I think they're going to continue to fall. Three losses in their last four. They're on 19 points. Uh, But, I mean, if they lose another game, they could potentially drop all the way to 15th. And and it's not looking too good. Yes. Uh, Moving on to Fulham. Getting the biggest win of the weekend here, five nil thumping over Nottingham Forest. Um, right from the rip, what were you what were you expecting this type of result? We thought it'd be a really close game, but this Forest team lately has looked really depressing. Yeah, it's been really poor. Four straight um, defeats, five in their last six. I'm not I'm not sure what's going on. They bench Turner. I mean that that happened weeks ago at this that point. It was like a like, month or two ago, yeah. I, I I know. And then it wasn't looking great then and now it's looked it's looking very bleak. I mean, this is horrendous. They're not playing well. Um Elanga had a couple of really good games a couple of weeks ago. I guess a month ago at this point. Um Gibbs White has looked good in patches. They got that win. Uh, was that against Everton last week? But outside of, actually no, they lost Everton, Everton beat last them. Week. Everton yeah. beat them one 0 Yeah. Um, so it's been it's been four really really tough results in a row for them. Four losses out of their last four. Didn't look at all up to the task defensively in this game. Murillo has been good. Like he's actually really good going forward as well up into the defensive midfield. But um, they just get caught out and they got smoked by Awobi in this game. Uh, the bottom line is if you're letting Raul Jimenez score two goals in 2023, almost 2024, we got serious fucking problems. Like, big-time relegation, you might go down problems. Yeah, Jimenez now three goals. Um, I think th- all, all three have come in the last couple games. He scored once against Fulham back in November and then bagged his last two here. Um, Alex Iwobi is his joint top goal scorer, and he just joined in the, right at the transfer window. So, I mean, that's kind of telling with how this attack is for Fulham, but three goals against a Liverpool team, five against Forest here. It seems like um, Marco Silva found a way. One key ch- uh, change in their lineup we saw, no Tim Ream. Um, mm-hmm. Adebayo starts next to Calvin Messi. Two menacing-looking center backs. I yes, think they're both they, above like six three, six four. They're absolute units. They are big fellas, no doubt about that. Uh, one more thing, Forrest. Their lineup is their lineup choices are so limited. Divo Carigi is starting up top for them. 
That's a Champions League legend, baby. Cult hero. Uh, yeah. They did rest Gibbs White. Gibbs White didn't start. Uh, he came in at right at the second start of the second half. Things to change there. Hudson Odoi looked uninspired. Alanga didn't have much help when he received the ball. Uh, Forrest just really was pinned back a bit. Uh, yeah. Are you thinking Steve Cooper's the next guy on the hot seat here if things don't turn in the next match that, or two? That seems to be the consensus across uh, the you know punditry community. Pretty much everything I've listened to, everybody's saying Steve Cooper's the next man out. Um, I mean, if things don't heat up, if they don't get a couple of points here in this holiday period, like if they lose throughout the holiday period, he's going to be gone by the new year. And I, I really think like it's kind of the only thing you can do. You have to get rid of them. Um, if they don't produce anything down this stretch, because this is the most important stretch of the season, in my opinion. Yep, their next three, they're they're at Wolves um, tomorrow, and then they have two home games against Tottenham and Bournemouth. So um, they need to get at least a win in one of those to to gain some sort of confidence. But I feel like Steve Cooper is going to get longer than people normally give. We saw this last year. He's garnered so much respect. He got them out of a hole in the championship in the same season and got him promoted so i mean i think he's gonna get more time than people think but yeah i i I don't know if it's gonna turn around for them with with everton now creeping everton had a 10 point deduction and are gonna pass forest again almost if things don't turn their way here um okay we move on you had a feeling about this and you were correct aston villa won man city nil i will put an asterisk on it I didn't realize that Rodri was suspended for this game. And yes. Every game Rodri hasn't played, they lose. And it was no different here. Um, their two holding mids were center backs. They played this game with five defenders and just five attackers. It was literally five five in the middle, five in the front. And Erling Holland, limited service. Winning goal didn't come until the 74th minute where we saw Leon Bailey, nice solo moment. Uh, with a little bit of a deflection, goes in, and from yep. there on, Man City weren't really controlling it. The possession was only fifty-four to forty-six in Man City's favor. Normally, we're seeing about seventy to twenty. The most staggering stat: twenty-two shots for Villa, yep. two for City. Yeah, they were both Hollands in the matter of a second and a half. What is going on on in Manchester on the blue side? Four straight games, no wins. Six points from the top. We might see them for the first time in in maybe a decade outside the top four if they don't pull this together. If Odin, so, so here's my. We got guys like Oscar Oscar Bob coming in. I know it's a problem. Enrico Lewis is starting. Um, he's shit, by the way. I've I've said I'm on record with that one, but six defenders. Um, I didn't even see him. It's six defenders yeah. in this team. Yep. Horrible. City looked horrible. They got outpressed. They got out. It was out just destroyed. The tactics were better on Emery's side. Um, he makes these, he, he does such a good job of making these tiny little in game adjustments, overloading ball side, um, swapping, angling his, his attacking mids to, you know, make runs in a little bit behind where Akanji and Stones are. Those guys got Akanji and Stone swapped around two different times in this game because they were getting fucking rinsed. They were they Pep had no idea what to do. For the the first time I've watched in years. I mean City have lost games where I felt like, okay, you know, that was 
they didn't play well. That's why they lost. Not be not because Pep couldn't drill them into the right spots. He got straight up outmanaged, and the Villas the Villa players seemed to want it more. They had more of an intensity about them, and Holland is a bit of a vanisher in the big ones. He hasn't showed up this year against the big teams as much as he has against the shit teams. Every time he goes up against another physical center back this season, with a little bit of pace like Carlos and like Pal Torres, he kind of gets fucking erased. And he, he was really poor in this game, making a lot of runs just like into open space, just like sitting there. Didn't track back. You don't need him to track back, but he just looked not interested at all because he got so deeply clamped by that center back pairing. This was this was a master class. How many players need to be suspended or injured for Manchester City before Calvin Phillips gets a start? I don't know. I saw... <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned that. Uh, I saw Pep say today, somebody asked him about Calvin Phillips, and he said... It breaks my heart that I don't play him more. Just sell him in January, mate. One is sell him, move him on. You wasted Two is, 60 mil. I know. Two is, and they sing about Havertz, but they don't want to sing about him. Interesting. Um, Akanji is a center back, and John Stones is a center back. Both of those guys are, unfortunately, for this, you know, um, point that I'm trying to make very good at defensive mid as well, just because they're really talented with the ball at their feet. Surely you can play a back four, make room up top, like maybe don't play Rico Lewis, slot one of those center backs playing CDM back in, and you know put Calvin or even just put Calvin Phillips in. You know, take take Lewis out, put a Kanji back at center back. You can still play with two DMs. Like, I don't, what what's the point? Why do they buy him? It was so good, too. Yeah, I mean, this guy's an England regular, and people get upset with how other players are playing, and they can't get in over him. So I feel their pain, and we see this with the U.S. sometimes. It sucks. There's, there's always going to be favorites, but, yeah, I don't know. The guy can't buy a start. And um, we're seeing that with Mateus Nunes, and Kovacic's not starting in this either. It just shows where, where they're wow. at and the, the trust what Pep has in them. If, if they're He's having a 19-year-old defender play in front of them in a, an attacking mid-position. Yeah, I have no idea, man. Like you said, seeing Oscar Bob, like, what are we talking about? I know... Like he's a young, he's a talent. He's young, and you you want him to get experience. But like, is this the place to to get him experience against Aston Villa, who are systematically destroying you? Um, all you know, all credit to Villa, all credit to Unai Emery. He's we probably aren't giving him enough credit. I don't think the national media is giving him enough credit in England or in the U.S. I keep up on both. He has been so good for them. His record with them is unbelievable. He's made smart signings. His squad rotation has been excellent. Leon Bailey is emerging. He has, like, how many years late on that? How many years ago did I say I thought Leon Bailey would, you know, maybe change things for Aston Villa? I think three um, years. Yeah. yeah, now finally he's doing something. Jesus. Just took a manager to unlock him. And even guys like Yuri Tielemans, they were bought and then kind of sat on the bench a little bit. But now you see what he does. He comes in and he looks fantastic. I thought he looked great. Um, it goes to show you how bought in everybody is. 
And I think that's a great thing. It's something that the guys at Arsenal did not do for him. It seems like this Villa side, they just have, they have a lot of grit and they seem to really want it. So it's nice to see. I think, you know, for a team like Villa, we're kind of perpetually mid-table um, for as long as I can remember, really. This kind of season is really nice to see. And I'm, I'm enjoying watching it. I think they play fantastic football end-to-end. This is Leon Bailey's third season with Villa. His first season, 18 appearances, one goal, two assists. I think he had a big injury that year. Last year, 33 appearances, four goals, four assists. This year, 13 games, only four starts. He has five goals and three assists in the league. Crazy, man. What a year. He's he's having a great year. A lot of this has been in the last couple weeks. He has elevated. Yeah, he's he's a squad rotation guy. He's been stealing minutes more recently over his... Over Diaby. Musa Diaby, both of those guys were teammates at Leverkusen. Now they're teammates again at Villa, and yeah, it's a good system for them. And and they're missing key guys too. Buendia and Mings are being guys that they're missing. They're still flying. They're seven and zero now at home. Still haven't dropped any points at home, and it's just on the road where they have issues. But massive three, massive massive six pointer this weekend in the top three here. They host Arsenal. Yeah, we'll see if he can game. get it done against his uh, against his former employer speaking for Emery. Yeah, I think I think they're the scariest team right now to play against besides Liverpool. They look really well drilled, and yeah, I don't know. It it seems like Emery doesn't make any wrong moves in who he's rotating in and who he's rotating out. I bet you we see Diaby in this one, and it's you know you would think why Bailey's in form, but I bet you Diaby plays, and I bet you give he gives a fucking fits. I just have a bad feeling about it. Yeah, we didn't. Um, another late appearance for Diaby here as well. So I'm sure he'll yeah, be two minutes, a, I think. Yeah, we'll be seeing him get a start here, I'm sure. Um, we move on to the last game that happened on Wednesday. Very unfortunate for me, but for a neutral, it's pretty entertaining, specifically in the first half. And end game Man United 2, Chelsea 1. That man, Scott McTominay, another brace, wins the day. Cole Palmer gets a 45th minute equalizer in the first half and really depressing here right from the get-go Man United came out with the energy uh, the press was there Chelsea stubbornly stuck true to the build out of the back Bob Sanchez with several mispass or sorry misplaced passes put us in very diabolical spots um, early penalty though Bruno Fernandez steps up misses uh Bob Sanchez, I think they said that was his third career penalty save, as well as that was the it broke a streak in the league, in the Prem since the start of the year. That was if Bruno made that, it would have been 33 straight penalties that were scored in the Premier League. So it broke a streak there, and yeah, I mean, I don't know. I got a lot of emotion here because. I would have thought we would have played a little bit better. The opportunities were there, but Mudrik yeah. hit the post. Um, the ball, his first touch, getting him stuck under his feet and hitting it wide. I mean, he it, was... It was the passing, I thought, for me. like he, So many times, it was him and Jackson against one defender or the yeah. keeper. He just couldn't make the pass. It's so frustrating to watch because you can tell how fucking good he is. You tell how quick he is and how intelligent he is. He's making the right pass, trying to. Just... It's getting stuck, like you said. It gets stuck right under his feet. I was frustrated watching that, too. Yeah, he runs with such pace that the ball just can't keep up with him sometimes, and it's frustrating. We saw Sterling out on the right early on. There were times where he shifted it in the middle. Cole Palmer went out to the right. 
and we just couldn't get him going. You weren't Nico Jackson either. Uh, the number one thing I saw was just the, the midfield was there was not really much composure and getting a grip on the game. When Enzo and Caicedo got the ball, it was a bit frantic and rash. Caicedo with his tackling once again, getting stuck into too many challenges where he didn't need to. Enzo couldn't get firing going forward. And I'm if I, on the top of my head, this has to be the eighth or ninth rotation of a starting back four. Oh, it's bad. We got Mark Cucurella, a left-footed left-back, playing right back to start where Reese James is on the bench. Um, I mean, it's just it's just really frustrating. It's I don't think the chemistry is there with the building out of the back. The assignments aren't, aren't consistent for these players because they're in a different spot every game, so they have to wrap their yeah. head for every three or four days to a new, new task and new role for them, and... It's super frustrating. We only saw two subs. Broya came in and, and James. And when James came in, he did get more forward than Cucurella, but He got cooked. Yeah, we didn't see... He was making his own mistakes. He almost cost yep. us a goal on a pass back and had to recover on his own. And mm-hmm. we were fortunate that United isn't as, as clinical as other teams in the past we've played get away with those. But yeah, it was just on the day. It wasn't meant to be. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it's going to cost us here. We're still 10th. Now we're, we're we're five points adrift from from West Ham in ninth, and and that put that's that puts us eight points behind United. So um, I don't really know where where we really go from here because before this game, when we I was talking to Zach, I said this gauntlet run of seven matches. I said I was pretty happy with what we did, and yeah, we, it shows we can compete in that. And now it just leaves a bitter taste ending it on this note because this United team with such drama on and off the field and in the management and in the locker room with key players they still found a way to come together and and fight for a cause and and we saw the the effort they put in to win this game so um, yeah yeah i don't know it just hurts i want us to get higher up the table and be more competitive but we're we're just that mid-table team we're floating with west ham and brentford right now yeah i i'm very curious to see what christopher and kunku does uh, for Chelsea in the in the the new year, I think having a experienced option up top, and he he is more of a center forward, we should say, than he is a, a regular, you know, main striker. But I think he changes things a lot for Chelsea going forward. We needed, uh, a, we needed some sort of spark off the bench. Yeah, I know, and he's not quite there, but. I th- I even think like if you throw in Kunku up even in like an attacking mid role, what kind of where? I really think they're uh, gonna play him at the nine. Yeah, I I mean, he's gonna be all right there. It's you're not. Is it gonna be better than Nico in terms of the kind of service that these guys are providing? Like, do I you, think do you think you can, they good. can slip him in better? I don't think it's gonna be a slip in behind. I think it's gonna be playing off him type him deal with the ball with. I think it'll be a target kind of thing where he's really yes. good on his feet and he'll be creative to turn guys where Jackson is the slip him in behind and he's a good presser, but it might be yeah, a situational know. matchup type deal for Potch to to review film on the other team and see where, where best we can play. So it might be a matchup thing, but I don't know. It's going to be a look that teams aren't used to and it, we just need guys to get fit at the moment and we need options off the bench because we've been only doing two to three subs a game and those subs haven't added much of a difference. The issue 
I think is like we mentioned in Kunku, like everybody has to everybody is learning what Poch wants them to do. But on top of that, like the rotation and everything is just it's kind of insane. I think it's gonna be a lot for these guys to wrap their heads around up top. Maybe not Sterling, but the other younger guys, Palmer and Mudrick, from going to playing with Nico Jackson up top. Uh, to going in and having to play with Nkunku, who they really don't have all that much, you know, game time with, pitch time. It, they had the whole preseason. I, yeah, but like, was Cole Palmer playing full time in preseason because we didn't he's get him until the deadline, I think. Right, and he's kind of like the main forward. You know, he's kind of everything right now. I I think that's going to take a minute, but I do think Nkunku improves you guys if if you start him up top instead of Nico Jackson. Like, it should be a significant upgrade. I don't. I'm not worried about Chelsea in the new year. I think um, I think things will start to look up soon. This yeah. one may not have been good, but we also um, missed Gallagher. Oh yeah, it's huge. It's a huge loss. Absolutely, he's um, it causes so much havoc in the midfield. It kind of you know he kind of waltzed in on you guys in this one. And the just the, the opportunities were there with the matchup. They were running yeah. running rings around Amrabat and Maguire and Lindelof weren't pressing them and it's just the chances were there. It was just there wasn't that composure That's... and leadership or just a little too young and Yeah. What do you think about Rat the Rashford situation? He didn't start this game, big move for for Ten Hag. He starts Garnacho and Anthony. Anthony put in a good performance he overall. Did. Um do you think this is going to be a continued thing going forward, Rashford off the bench until he steps up with the minutes given, or do you think it's just a... nah? I don't. I don't think you can bench him. Like I, I genuinely don't think you can just let him sit on the bench. If Hoyland doesn't start scoring, I can see them giving him a fucking go at striker. Um, to be honest with you, I think this team with Hoyland actually does not score. He cannot score. I don't yeah. know what's. He had a couple opportunities. Here, I know, just a few yards away. It's unfortunate. So He's no allergic. You just play him, keep keep him as a squad rotation player or a super sub, and then use him in the fucking. Uh, oh well, I guess they they can't really use him in Europe anymore. They're going to be out, but um, give Rashford a, a shout up there. Like I don't know, they have to they have to use Marcus Rashford. He's too much of a game changer to just leave on the bench. I understand the drama that he's been bringing, and I mean I was very critical of him last week, but you can't leave him on the bench for an extended period of time. He's your best. He's the best player at your club. And, well, actually, maybe McTominay is. But outside yeah. of McTominay, I think Rashford's the best guy. You know, he's he's unbelievable when he's on form. Yeah, okay. Uh, move on, last two games. That... Oh, by the way, Harry Maguire, player of the month for November. Congratulations, son. For the whole league or for... Uh, that's for the, for the Premier League. Wow. I mean... Yeah, he... I think some troll voting was involved with that but he has put up some big numbies fantasy wise so I can, I, he's I can been cooking that. yeah um so yeah we move on to two thursday games that happened yesterday big big result here everton three newcastle nil oh everton get a big home win that's their second win at home this year but i didn't realize newcastle on the road are dog shit um wow um we saw goals all of them late, last 10 to 15 minutes of the game. Dwight McNeil, 79th minute off a Trippier assist, uh, assist Trippier error. Me too. And then as well as the 86th minute, another error from Trippier. Gives him a second to Corey Bags. And then garbage time, 95th minute, Beto off the bench. Seals the game off. Um, starting with Everton here, there was a purpose early on. 
get the ball at wide as quick as possible and whip those damn balls in. Sean Dyche, yeah. physical. Um, DCL had a multiple opportunities. We saw the center backs getting involved, but the wingers did a good job. We saw Harrison step up and do that 10 roll behind DCL where Ducori normally was. They were just filling in a gap there. James Garner was a, a, a scratch on this day due to uh, wasn't was under the weather. And we saw Ashley Young at right mid. Dude, it's so insane. That was actually disgusting to watch. And they He's still, 40. Yeah, and they still get a 3-0 win over a Newcastle team that are fighting for a top four. Um, my number one thing here is just Newcastle are so depleted. Yeah, they have not... I know they have no help. It's very tough, but I hear more about Newcastle's injuries than I do about Tottenham, and they're at least I don't I don't know. They both fucking stink right now, but um, yeah, they're missing like what eleven first team players. Yeah, that's that's how do you how do you deal with that? They, it's so hard to deal with. I, I think they had two goalies and a and a couple teenagers on their bench here. Yeah, they had. Um, they got I mean. Parkinson's think, 18, they got Lewis Hall 19. Yeah, uh, so they have 18-year-olds and then 30, you know, you late 30-year-olds. Lloris Carius as the backup goalie. Horrendous. Yeah. Horrendous. Liverpool legend. Um, um, Everton side of things, this win got them out of, the, out of relegation. They're one point above Luton. If they didn't have that 10-point deduction, they yep. would currently be in 10th position above Chelsea. That's right. I was just gonna say that. Uh, I'm glad you said it, so I didn't have to. But yeah, I enjoy Everton. Everton. Or, oh, it's a cancerous style of ball. I just enjoy the simplicity of it, and yeah, just, and just they know it. They don't care if it's ugly. Just get the points. The fans are all about it. They'll, they, they're, they're there for the scrap. They'll take a one nil scrapper rather than the tiki taka Chelsea build out of the back and make multiple sticks. Jordan Pickford, anytime he gets the ball, he's just smashing that thing eighty yards. He had a bit of a of a hamstring issue or something. He was gimping the last 10 minutes. Yeah. I. It's just kind of crazy to me that Everton get away with playing this kind of, you know, game, and they get results more often, you know, not more often than not, but, like, they, they very commonly get solid results against other really good teams. Newcastle are still a good team, even though they're depleted. Yeah. Um. It is it is wild to think they'd be in tenth right now, uh, if they hadn't been assessed that ten point penalty. And since since they've been assessed the penalty, what they've got six points out of a possible nine. That's uh, that's pretty solid stuff, especially when you consider who they played. Yeah, they have four wins in their last six. Um, they're they're they get a big matchup now against Chelsea on Sunday, and then they play Burnley after. So um, the run of games is looking promising for them and. It's looking good, and that appeal they put in, they still could get some of those points back. You never know. Yeah. Okay. Uh, move on. Last game, Tottenham bottled one-two defeat mm-hmm. to West Ham. Four four defeats in the last five. No wins. They're outside the top four now. Three point three points behind City. They are tied on points with Manchester United. Um. <laughs> How the mighty have fallen. Yeah. It looked bright, though. Romero, his first game back, bagged in a goal off a corner from Pedro Porro. Nothing else happened, really, in the first half. Second half starts. Jared Bowen gets the equalizer in the 52nd. 
And then we get a Spursy moment. Udogi back pass to Vicario, under hit, puts him in a tough spot where he has to do some quick thinking. Um, dives out, punches it. Ward Prowse is there to hit it in off the post to himself and then buries it. West Ham hold out, get the win. Ange sticking to the system, regardless yeah, of who they care. play, regardless of if he's got a U18 team out there. They're going to play this way and they're just going to get through this this run of form um, no matter what and wait until Madison and them come back. But at what cost? Uh, well, I don't really know what other choice they have, really, but to kind of play like this. I mean, they've got to be aggressive. They got a little bit unlucky, um, I thought, in this one. But they didn't really take their chances going forward when they needed to. So you can't have seven shots on target and only manage to get one to go in. They gave you most of the possession. You got to do more with it. Only nicking twenty five percent possession. Yeah, it's insane. Only getting a goal and it being from a center back is like, come on, man! You got to do a little bit more with Sonny up top. You, you got to get him the ball a little bit better. Um, I was disappointed, honestly, in this result. I thought, um, I don't know if I took a draw or not. I forget what I took, but at game time, what's we up? all took Spurs. We did, yeah. At game time, I, I was really confident in Spurs. I thought they'd come out and get the job done. Uh, West Ham, like, suffered, suffered to hold possession in the opening half hour. It was, they were playing terrible football, and Tottenham were just running circles around them. They, That's just they, their style. They don't they don't care to hold possession. They're just there. I know. They put their 10 behind the ball, and they'll counter. I know, but it was like, when they did have the ball, it was like, just passing it directly into Tottenham. It, like, just totally avoiding or totally succumbing to the press. I know they don't care to hold possession. That's Like you said, it's not their style, but um, you at least try and protect the football when you have it for, for a moment, and Spurs were all over them from the jump, but if you can get a result, then you know you were the better team on the day. That's the kind of the bottom line. They take three points in a spot where they you know, didn't necessarily really need it, but they're like on the edge of Europe at this point, and they're already in Europa League. So this this has been impressive from West Ham. I think they're playing well. Yeah, they only made one sub here. For now, as your boy comes in for Kudus. Yeah. Uh, no goals for Kudus here, but... Offsides a lot in this game, it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're just playing along that line. Um, yep. What do you think here well Tottenham's next couple games are looking more favorable they host Newcastle here who are depleted just like themselves and they travel to Forest and then they're home against Everton here some better fixtures there what do you think what's best case scenario here well so the Tottenham Newcastle one is kind of like you know kind of a toss-up because both of them are so banged up right now they're both missing so many important players Whoever wins that game probably actually deserved to win it. That's the way I look at that one. But the other two, I think you absolutely have to get a result against Nottingham Forest. They're flopping right now. And the Everton one is not going to be easy. Like, if if Everton throw a couple of guys forward at you, and DCL and, and Dwight McNeil get loose, like, if that line's super high, then you never know if Everton can just get a goal and then sit back, especially with the way Tottenham are attacking right now. Um, they have to beat Nottingham Forest. I'd say they have to beat Everton. And the Newcastle one's kind of a toss-up. I think both of those teams are good. That could go either way. 
Um, but you absolutely need to get six points from this run, the next three. Otherwise, like, you're in a not in a great spot. They're already in a pretty shit spot, to be fair. Yeah, if the league table was just the last six matches across the league, Tottenham would be in bottom. Tottenham are in 16th position right now on four points. Um, yep. So, yeah, it's looking rough for them. And West Ham, that they get a gap there, five points above Chelsea. They're only three points back from a Europa League spot. And, yeah, it's looking good. They're doing their thing. I believe they already qualified for the next round of the Europa League. They got that last um, group stage match this the next midweek. So, yeah, it's looking good for them. Um, yep. All right. That concludes the recap. Now we just got our – well, we should probably do our best, worst players of the week before we get to the predictions. Um, starting off, we got the worst player. Evan, where are you leaning towards here? Um, I th- I probably given it to Raya recently. I'm gonna give it to him again. He almost cost us three points, uh, in a week that City dropped points. That would have been ca- just absolutely catastrophic, uh, in my opinion. So he was really shit, really bad. Made two errors. We gave them two goals. Um and really almost cost us this one when the rest of the team were really trying their hardest to keep us in front. So uh, I'll give it to Raya. I that's probably his second or third time getting it, which is insane. But you have to. Um, mine's leaning towards manager right now. Got to go with Steve Cooper. Uh, he can't get, be getting plastered five 0 by Fulham, and the run of form's not looking good. So it's it's looking rough for them. I mentioned Tottenham in the last six. Forest, the last six are the worst team. Negative nine goal diff, only three points. It's looking rough for them, and I don't know where they can turn things around. Um, flip side of the coin, best player of the week, brought by Eli. I think I'm the best, man. I did it. Evan, who, who, who's your spotlight player this week? I have a feeling I know who. I'm actually going to give it to Alex Iwobi. Okay. Um, he has been really good the last two weeks. Didn't give it to him last week, but he has looked absolutely fantastic uh, past couple of weeks. Just looking great going forward. He was a player that I, you know, I really liked him at, at Arsenal. I really admired him. I thought um, he had excellent skill on the ball, uh, but he's actually turned into an even better finisher than he is. Uh, as just like a forward attacking mid. Uh, he can play on the wing as well. He's just been really impressive, I think, uh, past couple weeks. And if he can keep this up, then Fulham, you know, are answering a little bit of their, their issue up top with the goals. They they struggled to score for a while at many different points, actually, uh, within the past couple of years since Mit- uh, Mitrovic has left. I guess that's just been this year. But um, it will be kind of answering some of those problems. And I think, you know, he deserves his credit, so gonna be alex he will be for me yeah mine mine's bittersweet i'm gonna go with scott mctominay yeah so good two goals in a big moment helping his manager in the club he's been at the club since he was five years old uh we're finally seeing the scotland mctominay now at club level and uh, it's good for him and his confidence and they need somebody in that role right now because casemiro was the rock and now he's kind of filling that role as an eight and it's just finding big moments to step up and and claim that spotlight so it's nice to see for him and and just helping the club so we'll go with big scotty mac um okay we go now week 15 or no sorry week 16 right yeah week 16 predictions first game we got 
the early window. I saw post match interview with Klopp uh, after the Sheffield game on the sidelines. The pundit yeah. or the head guy, the presenter, or whatever, was joking with him. He was like, "Your favorite time to play," and Klopp kind of snapped at him. Yeah, he did. He's kind of a pussy sometimes. Palace hosting Liverpool, seven thirty kickoff tomorrow morning. Where are we thinking? I mean, you can't pick Palace realistically with how you know they've looked the past couple of weeks. Oh, excuse me, weeks. Really, it's been like five weeks now that they've looked poor. Um, I'll take Liverpool. I think they win this one in a bit of a route, even if they are uh, without McAllister. That's a huge loss, but they they should be able to just fill in with Gravenberch and still win this game pretty easily. I think we're going to see Endo playing as that six to start. Gravenberch and Zabazla as those eight and tens. I think they're yeah. still, they still have the depth in that midfield um, where other teams are lacking at the moment. I think this Palace team in the midfield is going to really struggle in this match specifically. So I'm going to go with Liverpool. Zach's taking a draw. Uh, next, we got Brighton hosting Burnley. Nice, easy one for me. Brighton, I don't care. I don't trust this Burnley team. It's yeah. It's short short rest. and Well, they played Tuesday. Brighton played Wednesday. So Burnley had a little bit more of a rest, but... I just don't think they have the the depth as Brighton do, even with all the injuries. And Zach's, yeah, yeah. Zach's taking Brighton as well. That's going to be a clean sweep. I'll take Brighton as well. Okay. Next up, we have Man United hosting Bournemouth. Is it back to Fraud Watch for United, or are we going to see some sort of stability here and get some string in results? Nah, Bournemouth are in stick form right now, uh, playing really good uh, defense as well as offense. I think it's cohesive right now. I'm going to take a draw on this one. I don't think uh, United, like, they, they kind of just pulled that one out against Chelsea. The second half was comfortable, but Chelsea absolutely could have won that game. I wasn't moved by that performance by them, really, outside of McTominay. I think this one ends in a draw. There's no way that they just waltz, you know, past Bournemouth right now. They're They're in excellent form. Yeah, they're playing like a top-half team, which is United's kryptonite. Um, I think Bournemouth are going to come with that fire and passion early on. I think if United can weather that storm and just kind of wring, wring their neck a bit and take the life out of them and maybe get a penalty goal like or a penalty opportunity as they did early in the Chelsea game and convert it this time, I think they'll take the energy out. So I'm going to lean towards United here. Zach is as well. Next up, we got Sheffield United hosting Brentford team. Brentford licking their wounds. They're going to be without Keyman and Waymo. Even though that's the case, I'm still taking Brentford. I have that little faith in Sheffield here. They're going to be without Norwood and McBurney still. Key players in their build-up. And Zach's taking Brentford as well. Okay. Um. Yeah, I don't really know how you can bet on Sheffield United, right? I, I'll go with Brentford too. Okay. Um, next up, we got Wolves hosting Forest. What are we thinking here, Evan? Another one where, like, do you do you want to take a flyer on maybe this team, this side? Excuse me, these sides drawing. Yeah, like Wolves have been better, obviously, but Nottingham Forest need a win so bad at this point to kind of get back on track, Forest. or else Cooper's gonna. Or I'm sorry. Yeah, lose lose his job. Like, I I think I'm gonna take a draw. I think they get a decent result. I just this is not gonna be a fun watch. All right, I'm not saying this for you to change your pick, but Forest right now are the, are the second worst team on the road. They've only earned yeah. four points in eight matches. 
um, negative 12 gold if um, where Wolves are middle of the table at home and I think this is going to be a nice little game for Cunha and Huang to keep stat padding a bit so I'm going to go with Wolves and Zach is as well alright uh, last game Saturday the big one Villa hosting Arsenal I'm taking Villa Zach is taking Arsenal Evan are you going to ride with the boys are you going to finally give Villa their first blemish at home uh, yeah I don't I can't. I can't go against them. I'll take Arsenal. I will be geared up. The Guinness will be flowing. I will be ready to rock and roll tomorrow. What's the number uh, one thing you're worried about? Raya. You're not worried Raya. about Villa? You're worried about your own? Uh, no, I mean, I, I think Villa are going to give him problems. Like, yeah. you can make a couple of errors against Luton and then get it, you know, get the goals back, which is what we did. You can't make errors against them because it's going to be a lot harder to n- take four goals against Aston Villa, who are playing sensational defense and pressing at an alarming pace. Um, They've only conceded yeah, I, five goals at home this year. That's crazy. It's crazy. They're so effective defensively, yeah, away, away and home. So I'll take Arsenal, but my biggest concern is like, what happens if Raya sees Watkins, you know, with a little bit of space in front of him? Uh, does he just freeze, or does he get to the ball, or does he make the stop? I just, I think I'd have to go with any other forward right now, let alone Ollie Watkins. So Villa, the best home team this year. Arsenal, the best road team this year. So we'll we'll see that we'll put. This is going to be a battle. Yeah, low scoring for sure. I think. Okay, Sunday only four matches. First one, Luton host to Man City. Rodri's back here. Grealish is as well. Both of them were suspended. Uh, I'm taking City. Uh, Kabore, Luton's right back, is loaned from City, so he's not able to play against his parent club. So they're going to be without a bit of explosion there. We've seen Luton draw Liverpool. They should have gotten some against Arsenal. Yeah. Do they do it again against Man City? Do they put? They might be the best team in the league. (laughs) Um. Nah, I think Holland scores three goals and everybody forgets what he did last week against Villa. Uh, This has kind of been the theme. I think City destroy Luton. I think it's going to be like five nil. Everybody's going to forget how City have looked the past couple of weeks, and you know. That season is just going to move on. I will not forget, but I think City win this one easily. Yeah, I'm taking City as well. So is Zach. Uh, do you think the size of the ground, the crowd being right there, being a local atmosphere, do you think that does anything to Man City? Probably not. Um, they seem pretty, you know, pretty much like a what? fortress of solitude okay. uh, on the pitch. Not much affects them. Every once in a while, you see somebody fly off the handle, but I don't think they're one of the most well-disciplined teams in the league. Uh, I don't think this is, you know, gonna throw them at all. But that that ground is crazy, man. Watching that that full game with Arsenal. It's crazy how close the commentators are to the actual crowd. You can hear chants that you should not be hearing uh, over in the NBC that. broadcast. I love it too. I think it's great. Uh, I wish we had more of it, but it, it does go to show you when you're watching a game at, at Kenilworth Road or Kenilworth Park, I think it's Road, Yeah. Um, how fucking tiny it is, man. It's so small. All right. Uh, last three games. I'm, I'm uneasy about this one. Everton hosting Chelsea. I'm going just blind faith here, Chelsea, because we always somehow squeak one on Everton, but they are kind yeah. of a bogey team. Uh, Zach, on the other hand, is taking a draw. Evan, where where are you lying here? Where are you putting the chips yeah. down? 
I'll take Chelsea. I think they win this one. Um, like you said, bit of a squeak job usually, um, but I think you guys get it done. Last week was such a disappointment. Surely they get up and, and play for three points in this one. Yeah, we thought Old Trafford was a hostile environment. Goodison oh Park is going to be a war zone, so they better yeah. be prepared. For and Everton first... suck at home, too. So. Yeah, but still, they need to be ready for those first 10 minutes because Everton's going to be coming with a fat fit, right upper, uh, right hook to to hit us out early. So they need to be yeah, prepared. Yeah, they hate the they hate their rich clubs. Hate them. Um, okay, Fulham, West Ham. Uh, I'm taking a draw. Zach's taking Fulham. Oof. Um, this should be a really good watch. I think, I think I'm with Zach. I think I'll take Fulham. That their goal scoring record the past two games has been really good. Um, Fulham should I retain think, a lot of possession here. Yes, they should. If, if if West Ham let them hold the ball, I think Fulham are are scoring at an efficient enough clip that. You know, they really can get a couple past West Ham. And West Ham aren't unbelievable. You know, they're not great going forward. So uh, if they go down 2-0 early, like, I don't see them fighting their way back in. I, I like Fulham to win this game. I think that's a, that's a sharp one by Zach. Okay. All right. Uh, last game, Sunday. Tottenham home again, playing Newcastle. Are we – what are we thinking here? These two teams are struggling at the moment. Spurs – Five games without a win. Newcastle, half their squads hurt. What are we thinking? Um, Newcastle only one win this year on the road. Yeah, is that the one at Old Trafford, or that game was at St James Park, rather? Um, I'd have to look it up real quick. That's probably at the Emirates, actually. Or was that game at St James Park too? Mm. The, they won at Sheffield, the eight 0 Oh, okay. So that, yeah. So you can avoid um, that. Yeah, you can. <laughs> um, how can we forget that? I'll take a draw, one one. Okay. Wasn't inspired by Newcastle going forward last week. Was not inspired by Tottenham going forward last week. This one should be a battle in the midfield and defensively. Uh, I I see one one here. This shouldn't. It'll probably be fucking five three. But whatever. Zach and I are taking Spurs. Who do you think needs this result more? What do you think it would mean more? Which team? Does Probably it Newcastle. Because, I don't know, something about Newcastle right now tells me they're going to get a couple of guys back here in the next little bit. And they're going to they're gonna streak together a very impressive run. I think Tottenham's team in general is not as deep, unfortunately. Um... I don't know when Vandevin is out until, but even just getting Madison back, I don't think that immediately makes them, you know, God tier again. I think they're both out for another month. Yeah. All right. So maybe if they get him back in time, that they they will just go right back to being killer. But I, I think when I look at the Newcastle project, like, doesn't seem quite as thin to me in terms of depth. Once they get their depth back, I think Newcastle. I do think Newcastle will finish higher than Tottenham in the table this year. I don't know if that's a hot take or not, but I think it means I think it means more to Newcastle. No, I had Tottenham finish in seventh and Newcastle sixth, so I agree okay. with you there. But I mean yeah. the way Tottenham started the year was super hot and the way they're doing now is super cold, so I think it'll level things out. But I think New Tottenham need this game a lot more. They need to get some sort of confidence 
with three points with this team. These players need some boost to show they can do it without those big guys. Um, so, yeah. All right. This is a bit of an extended one. Hour 15 there for you guys. Um, check us out on our socials at Post20Pod, Instagram, Twitter. Follow us on all of our streaming platforms where you can hear us um, for past and future episodes uh, on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Um, we'll be back sometime next week, midweek. Uh, we don't have midweek res- uh, matches next week, so we'll have a nice full week break to digest everything and process it. And yeah, uh, Evan, anything add- else to add before we close? Nope, that's it. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week. All right, take care, guys.